Welcome to this episode of the Midlife Midsters podcast, your podcast for inspiration on being bold and saying yes to everything that midlife has to offer. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the people that have inspired us and who have taught us something about how to live a full and active midlife. And before we get started, I want to say hello to my friends and have them say hello to you. So, I'm Marianne. I'm Michelle. Hi, I'm Marla. And I'm Leslie Ann. And unfortunately, our friend Carmen couldn't be with us this evening because she had a scheduling conflict, so we're going to miss her. <laughs> so I have a question for you guys. In thinking about how you live your midlife today, what role do you think the female relatives, your female relatives had, your mother, aunts, older sisters, cousins, in influencing the way you view yourself now? Good question. You know, it's interesting. So my mother was the only, well, she actually had a, had a sibling who passed away. So I didn't have aunts on her side, and she was from Scotland. So here in the States, or when I lived in Australia, I didn't have any female um, role models family-wise. And my father was the youngest of four, and his sisters lived in the United States and were quite a bit older than her, um, older than him, excuse me. So it was really, it would only be my mother that's related. And I would say what I took from my mother is grit. My mother has grit. She also has a lot of adventurous, she has an adventurous spirit. So I, I think I took um, a couple of things from a couple of different women who actually were probably a little bit younger than I am right now, but we're redefining midsters as we go, right? So they were probably in their mid-40s. My mom was one of four sisters, and all of them are and were strong, independent, really smart women. And that was something that was kind of passed down almost um, subconsciously, maybe genetically subconsciously, um, with my cousins, that there was this understanding of confidence because you had this innate ability. My mom went back to school to get her master's degree in gerontology when um, my brother and I were pretty much in high school and she didn't really have to be quite as hands-on with her child-rearing responsibilities. So she went from having a part-time job um, to going to school, getting a master's degree, and pretty much having a new career at a later point in her life. That's so interesting. Your mother got a um, receive her degree in gerontology because my mother actually got her master's as an and a nurse practitioner in gerontology. And my mother powered through having four kids going back to school here in the United States. And that's why I said she had grit because she worked and she went to school. Um, I think my older sister and I had to pick up a lot of the slack. Interesting stories there for another day. But um, I think it's I think when you see somebody in middle age, so my mother would have been in her 40s too, early 40s, going back to school, it does instill something in you like that's not too old to do these things. Midlife is, that's, it, age shouldn't determine that. And so I love that piece about my mother going back and getting more education. And like I said, it, to me, it took a lot of grit. She didn't have to do it. She did it. Mm-hmm. I think for me, actually, it's a combination of 
my mother was widowed at 50 and had not worked for most of her adult life since she had children. So she was widowed. And um, unfortunately, when my, my father passed away very suddenly, didn't have life insurance. So my mother did have to go back to work. And um, just kind of seeing her kind of rise to that occasion taught me something about e even at a later point in life, you can remake yourself. You can meet whatever comes your way. But that didn't feel like a very uplifting message. The other piece of it was my father's oldest sister, who I was very close to growing up. She actually was a very unique woman. And I think more than anyone else, I look to her now because we like to have adventures. We like to travel. My aunt was kind of ahead of her time. She didn't marry by choice. She had a long time affair with a married man for most of her adult life. And that suited her just fine because she did not want to be married and be beholden to a man the way women in earlier generations were. So she had this relationship that was suited her needs, but she didn't have to be tied down. And because of that, she was able to travel a lot with her girlfriends. Have fun. And, and ironically, she took a lot of cruises, which is sort of like, you know, we, we sort of started this after a Windjammer cruise. Um, but she, she really enjoyed going out and traveling with her girlfriends. And I can remember her telling me when I was a child, learn a foreign language, get on a plane and go, because that's really where you'll see life. And that really influenced me, it's always influenced me, but it definitely, now I really heal, hear that because I look, she was my age when I was a child. And so I look at her and think, that's, that's really what I want to be, that sense of adventure. Uh, so actually, one that comes to mind is my grandmother, and I admire her because she came um, as an immigrant in her late 20s and worked as a maid. And I think there was a long period of time where she thought she would never find anyone to marry because of being so late in life. Um, of course, she did get married, but I just I admire her bravery. So that is somebody I think that has influenced me. Now, when you said when she she came from, did she come from a different country? Yeah, she came from Ireland, and she came in her you know mid to late twenties. So uh, I think it was a big risk to yeah. take that as a single woman. So I admire her for that bravery. And what about now? Do you still actively look? at people and for inspiration to serve as, I hate to use the word role models, but role models or mentors, what do you, what do you look for in someone? So I actually think that I look for inspiration around me more now than I probably did 10 or 20 years ago. Um, so 40 years ago, when I was in my 20s or in my teens, I think I was very um, impressionable, but but in a good way. I was I was in a work environment that was new, and I was surrounded by political women pioneers. So I had I have a very long list of role models from my 20s, um, but contemporary role models or contemporary. Friends who inspire me are really plentiful. And I look for people who have qualities that I want to have, that I want to emulate, whether it's kindness, whether it's how they help take care of their aging parents. Qualities in a person that are qualities that perhaps I have or want to have more of are 
how I look for people who inspire me. Or when I see that, those are people that I would say inspire me. It's, it's, about, it's about traits. I think for me, it's actually more about an attitude because I feel like, and that's why I wanted to start with the question about earlier influences like mothers, aunts, family influences, because I think for some of us of an earlier generation, the, the image of what it is to be a woman was pretty limited especially a midlife woman. For example, I think we absorbed a lot of messages from the media and from, you know, television and movies that there's something wrong with aging and, you know, that you have to be perpetually young. And so I actively look for people that model something very different. Um, I know at the very first episode of this podcast, I talked about letting my hair go gray. And that was kind of an attempt to sort of gain some authenticity for myself. And that's kind of what I'm looking for in other people. So I, I really always appreciate when I meet someone that is okay with the fact that they're not as fit as they might have been when they were 20 and maybe their hair is gray or maybe, you know, they have wrinkles on their face and they're embracing that and loving that because that's part of life's journey. And it, it feels good to surround oneself with other people who make you feel good about being where you are. The point you're raising now is something I was thinking about because how you're inspired is so personal. And I I almost want to say it's like personalized medicine, right? You can't treat everybody with the exact same um, care plan, right? Everybody's different. Everybody's body is different. Everybody's genetic composition is going to be different. So same thing with inspiration. So I think that for me, I'm looking for people with qualities that I want to emulate because that's part of my personal growth. So very interesting to hear a a different perspective on how we find or where we find inspiration. You know, I I find it kind of two, two aspects to finding inspiration. One is I think throughout my life, I've stumbled upon it. So there's somebody that comes into my life some, maybe they're close, maybe they're not, but I notice certain things about them that really touch me and inspire me. And it is usually empathy, kindness, positivity. I've never really been inspired by somebody for leadership or some catalyst of change. Not that I don't respect that, but it's just nothing that really grabbed me to where I I wanted to emulate that the same way. And we've talked about it. I've never been really truly career oriented like a lot of women. I wanted to be home with my family, number one. So we do stumble upon it or I've stumbled upon it. And then the second thing, if I seek it, and sometimes I do, but I look at where my, what I hope my ideal life would look like. Mm -hmm. And so I look at that ideal life and then I find people that are living that. So they're adventurous, they travel, positivity, great relationships, good marriages, um, good friendships. So some I stumble upon, some I seek out, but I seek out because I want to be the best version of myself. And looking at my ideal life, there are people out there doing that, and I admire them so much. So I think midlife is also a time to decide what you no longer want to be influenced by. And I think I had a lot of my previous decades influenced by conformity or what seemed to be the expectations, like, you know, focus on your career in your 20s and and your family, of course, in your 30s and 40s. 
Um, so I'm interested in people who seem to be able to push back on conformity. And there's one uh, person on social media I admire right now, which is Paulina Poroskova. And those of us will remember her as a supermodel, you know, married to Rick Ocasek of the Cars. And I've read her book and I read her Instagram. And she has a very strong sense of clarity about what it means for her to be 58 and to be very open about that. And she's posted lots of photos of herself, right? In various stages of, of dress and undress. And she owns it and she's very pleased with herself. And she gets tremendous pushback from people who tell her that's not how a grandmother should behave. That's not how someone of her age should behave. And she's very clear in kind of saying to them, that's your stuff, that's your baggage. And it's not going to rent space in my head anymore. So I really admire that her ability to kind of see through that and make her own choices about what she wants to do with her life. So You know, it's interesting, Michelle, because I follow her as well. She has to be one of the most authentic women on Instagram today. And I appreciate that. So she owns it, but she also loves it. Like, And I love that about her. She is inspirational, but she, talk about authentic. She just puts it out there. She, she, and she is probably the best version of herself. Yeah. And just today she posted um, two versions of herself, one with professional makeup and great lighting. And then she shows all of that. And then she comes on with no professional makeup and great lighting. And you see the difference. And she owns it all. And I, yeah, I just, I think she's inspirational. And I also think it's amazing because what I thought she might be like as a person based on the supermodel days mm -hmm. is entirely the opposite of what she's like. If you read her book too, it's a very fascinating life story. I might have to borrow that from you. I, I sort of feel the same way about Emma Thompson's movie, the um, Good Luck to You, Leo Grande, where she, at the end, where she opens her robe and she's looking in the mirror and you just kind of see her adult midlife body for what it is. And, you know, the ability for an actress of her acclaim to stand there on film and do that is is pretty, pretty inspiring. And also affirming because it's like, I looked at her and I was like, okay, I look like that. Can't be that bad. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's hard. And, and that's not to say that it's not okay to decide that you want to change some of those things about yourself. But it, it should be a decision that people make because they decide for themselves they want to look a certain way, not because they think they have to look that way to, you know, be a woman in our culture. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I was struck by what you said earlier about, you know, the aging piece, because I think there's so much more pressure in midlife around how aging looks for women than men. So I really think it's a comparable term. Like for men, we often say in midlife and later that they look distinguished. You know, we don't have that term uh, for women. So I think I want to really focus my own language too. Like instead of saying, oh, you look young or you look great for your age, it's like you look rested, you look healthy, you look happy. And I think that we have to kind of reclaim the language we use around what aging looks like to us. And again, I do think aging is this huge influential force in midlife. So I think that's why it comes up so much in conversation. I, I love what you just said about language because I think that's so important. And Actually, in terms of influences that I look for, I actually look a lot to the younger generation because younger women have tackled a lot of these things. Well, actually, we've tackled them for them, but they're at a different place and they speak differently about themselves and they look differently at the world. And I, I actually really find that to be very inspiring. So sometimes I'll, when I'm thinking about something and trying to sort it through, I will definitely speak to my daughter 
or to my son's girlfriend or to one of my daughter's friends and ask their perspective on something because they just see things differently. And it's almost like a light bulb goes off, like, oh, I, I wouldn't have thought of saying it that way, expressing it that way, and therefore not of thinking of it that way. There was a, um, it's a little bit of a digression, but it kind of fits what we're talking about. I, I remember seeing a, um, a TED talk about uh, this gentleman. I, I want to say he was Vietnamese and his parents had left Vietnam uh, after the, the collapse of Saigon. And he was talking about how his parents never experienced homesickness. And it's because they didn't really have a word for homesickness. And, and he was talking about how psychologically, if you don't have a word for expressing a particular emotion or feeling, you actually really don't experience that emotion or feeling. And I think it's been that way for us, for women. The way we have expressed our life process has been limited by the way we speak about ourselves. And we can actually experience so much more if we talk more openly. And I think you offer a great tip about, you know, because the earlier question was, how do you find inspiration and how do you um, develop that? I think talking to people of different generations, younger and older, is a great way to come out of your own conformity, your own perspective, and see things a little bit differently. You know, one of the things I admire um, about talking about the younger generation in general, we were talking about the supermodels. And when we, I mean, when we were in the 80s and 90s, that was like the ideal look and the ideal body. But the younger generation now doesn't see size the same way or weight the same way. You see women of all sizes embracing that, enjoying it, and not being shamed by it. So I hope that they will help push that aging is the same way, that they won't look at somebody with beautiful gray hair and think, oh, they're older or judgy as we do change through midlife with our bodies and what activities and things that we can do. So hopefully that'll bleed on over into aging as well. You know, it's it's funny as you were talking about that, I was reflecting on seeing the Barbie movie and um, how Barbie is this perfect, right? But she's not perfect and she's not happy and she wants to be real with all of the challenges that come with being real so maybe the talk of a sequel would be aging barbie <laughs> maybe <laughs> great yeah. hair bob barbie instead of blonde barbie so yeah. and her droopy breasts instead of her <laughs> perky ones that's a good point you know thinking about aging as well and role models or influencers, people that um, younger generation might look up to, I have noticed that more and more young adults realize that people in their 40s, 50s, 60s have wisdom. They all of a sudden from teenage to early 20s where they think they know it all, there's been this change, at least in the individuals I've been around, that really we're becoming role models to them as far as seeking wisdom. And that makes me feel good. And I know, and I actually know all your children, so I know they come to you for good advice as well. But it's just, it makes me feel so good. And it makes me feel like I have some worth to another generation because they don't have that because they have some wisdom, but it comes with life experience. There's a big responsibility to that, too. There is. Because I, I really struggle not to just say, well, this is how it was when I was young, so you should do it this way, or this is how I would do it now. And I actually, I, I 
think I can say this. Um, my daughter and I had a conversation about something that was troubling her and she was asking for my advice. And, you know, I was giving advice and she was kind of pushing back and saying, but, you know, but that wouldn't work because of this. And then it certainly, again, talk about a light bulb going off. I said to her, you know, the problem with me giving you advice is that my advice is limited by my life experiences and my perspective. And my perspective is not yours. And my life experiences are not yours. So I, I think the thing that I can tell you is trust yourself. Just trust yourself. It, it's not easy sometimes to make decisions in, in difficult circumstances, but you're a smart young woman and you know what you need to do. And yeah, I think she really appreciated that. But that's the wisdom I think that comes from being older is that you can just trust yourself. You know, I think as women, we ne weren't necessarily raised to trust ourselves. We were raised to second guess ourselves, defer to other people, serve other people. But the younger generation has the freedom to just say, oh, I'm just going to try this and do it. So I'm going to tag on that. And this is, might be hard for me to express, but I'm also thinking, what else don't I want to be influenced by anymore? I need to focus on what I want to be able to do so that I don't, I'm not as influenced it by as much as I have been. You know, I just, I look back and I'm like, wow, some of the choices I made, some of the decisions I made were not just my own. They were conforming consciously or unconsciously to expectations of what women should do. And I think that's your, that gets at your point. It's like, and it's hard to release that. I love that you said that. And I think that, and we've spoken about this before, one of the reasons we love collaborating and being together as women is because we've broken out of that. Mm -hmm. We realize that our influences are like through our friends and people our age and watching them how, how they live. And it's not so much the patriarchy. And I think we did grow up with that, but I, not so much. I, most middle-aged women now, I feel get a lot more influence from their peers, female peers. I think I had a very different experience because my early career, probably my first 10 years, was working for women's organizations, led by women, focused on issues for women, supporting each other, helping women get elected to Congress. So I didn't really have that experience, and I remember going to a job where suddenly the company was going to be led by men. And I kind of wondered what that was going to be like. Um, so I didn't really, outside of the typical societal norms, my personal experience and, and my earliest career experiences were all in women-led organizations. Um, and even I remember... Um, we had a president of the board of one organization that I worked for. He was, it was he. He was a man, and but he was the president of Planned Parenthood of New York City and was such a strong feminist and so articulate about empowerment for women that I didn't really experience that type of patriarchy in the workplace. Oh, he was a very smart man who came up with a fantastic tagline for candidates who were running for Congress and were asked about issues related to abortion. And 
he came up with uh, language saying that I trust my constituents to make those decisions with their doctors and medical providers. But but he was a, a wonderful human being and maybe not a role model or a mentor, but somebody who I did look up to. And there are men in my life that I do look up to, but not so much in the past or in my career. My husband inspires me every day. I mean, your he, husband is extremely inspirational. <laughs> he is, and he's my he number one cheerleader, but he's also very successful, very driven. He takes risk. And I have two boys, and I hate to bring up my family, but they inspire me too. A lot of the same qualities as my husband, but they're also empathetic and compassionate and kind as well. So I'm not saying that there's no men out there to inspire women, but where I am right now in life, my biggest inspiration come from my my peers, my friendship peers in general. I think at this point in life, it, it, is, it is entirely possible for men to provide as much influence, inspiration, guidance at, into midlife as women can, because there are, there are some issues that we experience in midlife that are kind of universal, right? We're all getting older. There are medical issues, um, limitations maybe on the ability to do things that we did in the past. And when you see other people approaching that and dealing with that with great grace and, and courage, then that, regardless of whether it's a man or a woman, that, that is something I think that I take guidance from, I take lessons from. I'll go back to what I said earlier about people who inspire me, inspire me because of their qualities or their actions. And so one of my friends would drive to upstate New York on a regular basis to take his father to cancer treatments. And he would drive, you know, seven hours to pick him up, then drive two and a half hours into New York City and then drive two and a half hours back. And I remember a conversation around that where I said, I need to be a better daughter to my parents. And I will say flat out, he inspired me to think about what type of daughter I was at this point in midlife. Well, I think for listeners too, like you said, you, I mean, you that was a friend and you saw that, but open your eyes to what's around you. See what who you stumble upon. What is it that inspires you? Because you will run into people around you that are like that. And then the other thing I would say to listeners is, Think about where you want to be, what your idea, what you picture your ideal life to be in the future, and look for people that are doing it. And that might be in your church, it might be in your community, it might be in your workplace, or maybe you end up doing a Google search and looking for somebody that um, meets, meets those needs or how you feel or want to be um, inspired by. So I, I would say that because I do, I try to do that. Mm-hmm. I think it's about being open, actually, and and not sort of looking at this stage of life as like a downturn, right? It's still, I, I think, I'm still on an upward arc, yes. and um, and and so I I still want to keep expanding in a different way because I don't. I'm looking at retiring in a couple of years, so work will no longer be my primary focus, right? You're so, just getting started. I'm just getting started. That's right. <laughs> so what else is out there? And 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 you're right. It takes so many different forms in the. It's attitudes of other people and qualities of other people. It's spiritual perspectives of other people. Um, and, and that means as much as anything to me. You know, how do you approach 
the reality of being human and what that ultimately means about what will happen at some point down the road, right? Um, you have to kind of embrace that. And I have, because I've talked so much about conforming, I think if there are listeners out there who feel like they've done all their share of conforming in their life so far, look for the people who are contrary. So the Paulina Porskova, or I would mention Miranda Esmond White, the Canadian who created the exercise program Eccentrics and her belief in how you can be flexible and physically fit well into your 80s and 90s. I think look for the contrarians and uh, they have a lot to offer. The rebel part of you is coming out, Michelle. I love it. <laughs> so just to kind of um, follow up and sort of one last little closing thought, Marianne, you mentioned Google. And I will say this. I think the internet, media, Google, TikTok, you all know that I'm a huge TikTok fan. Those are actually important things that you can make use of. You have to go into it understanding the media, understanding what it is and the limitations to it. But that actually is a great tool to sort of develop new and different and more fulsome attitudes about midlife if you can sort of find those things. So um, with that, I would just encourage listeners to like be open to whatever's out there, what other, whatever influences and forces you can find that can give you a new reflection on your life. Um, so I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Midlife Minsters podcast. You can find us. Uh, at AmericanMidsters.com, and that's M-I-D-S-T-E-R-S. We would really love to hear from our listeners about what kinds of things they look for as influences in their midlife. Who do you look to to inspire you? Um, drop us a direct message or send us an email and, and let us know what you're thinking about. 